We're beginning a series today called Christmas at the Movies. We're going to be examining the deep theological undertones of Christmas movies these next few weeks. And we're starting off with Elf, uh, which we again are showing this Friday night. The title of today's message is, You Are Not a Cotton-Headed Ninny Muggins. And so as we get started with that, I want you to turn to your spouse or your neighbor, someone around you, and look them deep in the eye to pierce their soul with the most conviction and say, you are not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <clears throat> All right. Some of y'all laughed a little too hard saying that to your spouse, but we'll let it go. Buddy was not a cotton-headed ninny muggins, but he felt that he was because he was a human living in an elf's world, trying to be an elf, not who he was created to be. And so that led him to feel like a cotton-headed ninny muggins. And when we turn our lives over to Jesus, we become humans in an elf world, all right? We become different than everything that surrounds us. And the world will try and tell us over and over and over again that we are cotton-headed ninny muggins because we don't fit the mold anymore. We are now different. We are now a new creation and what we were is not anymore. And we are called to be something else. And so though the world might try and tell us that we are cotton-headed ninny muggins, we in fact are not. We are just now foreigners and strangers in a different world. We, all, we now have a new home and a new residence, and we are a new person. And see, the thing is, we can't control what the world says about us. But what we can control is our reaction to it. Will we believe it? When our coworkers, our neighbors, our former classmates, current classmates... Try and tell us that you're a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Look at you. You're different than everything else. Are we going to say, oh, you're right. Shoot. Just, just say it like it is. And we say, you know what? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I am set apart, but I am not a cotton-headed ninny muggins. And here's the thing. We are supposed to be different when we accept Jesus as our Savior. Once we start walking that walk with Jesus, we should look different because there's nothing more different in this world than saying, I am going to turn my life over to Jesus and, and let him be my Lord as well as my Savior and live for him. Because everything in the world says, live for me. Do what pleases me. You be your own God and your own Lord. And so, yes, when we turn our lives over, it's going to look very different. But that's the point to love different, to serve different, to spend our money different and our time different, to parent different, to be a friend different. All those things should look radically different than the world. So rather than trying to blend in and be like something that we aren't anymore, let's embrace who God's created us to be and not try and be an elf in an elf's world, but understand that yes, we are set apart and that is a good thing. So when the world says, you're a cotton-heading ninny muggins, we say, no, I'm not. But instead, I'm going to be yet more vile for the Lord and be different for him. And I'm going to look different. I'm going to love different. I'm telling you right now, the season that we're in, and I'm not just talking about 2020. I'm talking about this Christmas season. Man, the world needs us to be different, y'all. Yeah. Needs us to be different. 
Because this is the time of year, regardless of what the, you know, the calendar says. And this is a time every single year when people battle depression and suicide and loneliness and anxiety and fear. You have families that say, how can I buy these Christmas presents this year? We don't have the money. And all this stuff, this, this time that's supposed to be joyous and fun can be the biggest burden in the world. People need us to be different. They need us to love differently and to give differently. That's why we have things like Christmas Home and Abroad. So that we can give, we can be a human in an elf world and say, here, this is for you. Don't worry about us. We're just giving this to you. They need us to be different. Will we be different, church? Will we be different? But he thought he was a cottonhead in any muggins because he spent all his time trying to be like everybody else. And if we spend our time doing the same thing, we will never understand who God has created us to be. It wasn't until Buddy realized, came to the realization that I'm not an elf, that he then set out on his journey. But if no one had told him, if he hadn't understood that, he would have stayed in that place trying to be something that he was never meant to be. And so instead of focusing on what everyone else says, why don't we turn our attention to what God says about us and just see what happens. See what happens. When we turn our life over to Jesus, we immediately become the minority. I hate to spoil it for you, but it's just the truth. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. This is Jesus' words in verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, everyone say life, life. is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So we have the many and we have the few. And it is the few that follow Jesus. So he is telling us, get ready. You are going to be the few. And so our job when we receive Jesus is not to try and blend in with the many, it's to try and yell to the many, come be the few. Come over here with us. And what Jesus says here, though, is something we need to understand. He says the road is difficult. You're going to be called a cottonhead in any muggins every once in a while. It's not going to be easy all the time. That might have happened to you this past Thursday, sitting at your Thanksgiving table with some family and friends that maybe didn't agree with you on certain things. And the word cottonhead in any muggins was thrown around a little bit. Pass the stuffing, you cottonhead in any muggins. It's hard. It can be hard to be the minority because we all want to fit in. But what are we trying to fit in with? Have you checked out the status of the world lately? I don't want to fit in with that. Thank God that he's sparing us. And so let's do the same thing. You know, when I, when I think about this, this kind of, I call it camouflaging our faith, being something, but try and fit, trying to fit in with something else. I liken it to, the, the image that came to my mind was this like long, wide, moving conveyor belt sidewalk that you see at the airport, you know, a moving sidewalk. And we're hanging out on it with all these people that don't know Jesus. And we see the end of this conveyor, of this moving sidewalk. And what it is, it's the, it just empties into a cliff. And so we're hanging out, camouflaging our faith, trying to fit in, be an elf when we're really not, all because we want to fit in and be something we we're not called to be. And so we just hang out with the many. And we see the end. We see that cliff where the many don't see it. And so at the very last minute, right before we get to the edge, 
we just kind of hop off. Say, oh, that's not actually not me. That's not for me. That's not my destination. Meanwhile, all the many just tumble off the side of the cliff to their death. That is what camouflaging our faith does to those around us. We should be off of that moving sidewalk saying, get off, get off. It leads to ruin. Come over here with us. But instead, instead, so many times we just say, I'm just going to hang out with them because I, I, I just don't know what they're going to think when I tell them to get off. And the result is death. Ultimate hell death. We are talking about saving people from going to hell. That is what this is up against. That is what we are called to do is to take those many and say, come be the few, not to meet Jesus and then continue to look like everybody else around us. I, 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 I'm going to try and not get on my soapbox too much today, but this is something that drives me absolutely crazy. Is when the world just says over and over, be different, be an individual, be this, be that. And then all everyone does is be this individual the exact same way as everybody else. It's like steam comes out of my ears when I see this. You're not being an individual. You're being just like everybody else. Your shirt color is just different. It drives me crazy. You want to be different? You want to be the most radical thing that you can be? Follow Jesus. That is how you're different in this world. That is it. So let's do it. Let's do it. Oh. This is all from Elf. Like, that's crazy. I, I hope I haven't ruined that movie for y'all now. <laughs> Are you willing to stick out like a sore thumb? Are you willing to be called a cottonhead in any muggins? I want to look at someone who said, yes, I will do that. And I think it's a timely story. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 2, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I'm just going to offer y'all a warning. If you're sitting in this room, if you're watching online, and you are resigned to the fact that you just want to walk with Jesus, but still kind of be in the world and camouflage your faith and be that elf in a, in a world of elves instead of being who you're called to be. And God says, the Lord is with you. You had better run. You had better run. Because what that means is God is about to do something so amazing in and through you that it's not just going to rock your world, but it's going to rock the entire world around you. Because if you look in scripture, in everywhere that God's presence is announced, everywhere, God does miraculous, life-altering things that cannot be camouflaged and that cannot be hidden. Look, I guarantee you, I challenge you, try and find somewhere in scripture where God says, here I am, and, it's, and, it's, and no one notices. He shakes mountains. He raises the dead. He sends fire from heaven. He heals the blind and the lame. The Lord announces his presence and the ground shakes because there's no on off switch with God's presence. He is full throttle, a hundred miles an hour because that's who he is. He, he, he brings goodness into darkness. It's what we sang about this morning. And that's why we sing, we're gonna make room for you to do whatever you want. We're gonna make room for you to do whatever you want because we want your presence here and we want it to be full throttle. 
to change our lives and the lives of the people around us. So when the angel says to Mary, the Lord is with you, she has a pretty interesting response because she understands what that means. She says in verse uh, 29, Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Now notice it doesn't say that Mary was greatly troubled at the presence of Gabriel the angel. Like that to me is what would freak me out. Like, Lord Jesus, there is an angel in my room. But she doesn't say that. It says that she's troubled at his words. That's crazy to me. Like, okay, cool, there's an angel, I get that. But what you're saying is kind of nuts. You know what I mean? At his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She understands. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. In her wildest dreams, when Mary asked the question, what does this mean? What are you talking about? She could have never in a million years dreamt up what Gabriel said to her in that moment. It was way too big, way too much. Wait, hold on. I'm going to have what? Not just a baby, but God's son and his kingdom will reign forever? Me? Mary? Like, it's not possible. It literally isn't possible. Mary was a virgin. What the angel was saying here was a physical and medical impossibility. It would have been more likely for her to sprout wings and fly away with Gabriel than do this, right? I mean, this is crazy. This is crazy. But here's the thing. When we finally embrace, fully, fully embrace the fact that we are not elves living in an elf world, but we are set apart and different, then God will speak things just like this to us that blow our minds and we'll wonder why in the world was I ever trying to just settle to be an elf when God is calling me to this amazing, great thing. He will do it. And I believe he's gonna do it for us individually, but I believe he's gonna do it for Beach's Chapel. And we're not gonna put a limit on what that is because whatever it is, it'll be far short of what he's calling us to be. It goes on to say in verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Pretty good question, I would say. How can this possibly be? It doesn't make any sense. I'm a virgin. I'm from Nazareth, where the Bible says nothing good comes from there. How can that work? I'm not up to the task. I'm just, God, I'm just a cottonhead in any muggins. I can't do this. It's starting to sound a little familiar to us. This thing that you've called me to is too big for me. So I'm just going to settle to just kind of hang out as an elf. I'll continue to camouflage my faith. I'm not, just gonna, I'm not gonna fully take that step because I just don't see it happening. It, what you're saying is just too much. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, this is Gabriel's answer to that little query. Verse 35 says, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Come on. Do you know what it takes? 
for us to see God's calling in our lives be fulfilled? It's our willingness. That's it. It's us saying, okay, God, okay, I trust you. I am willing to be used by you. And then our, our whole part in the whole equation of what God's doing in us and through us is done. After that, the Holy Spirit takes over. And he says, the door's open, I'm moving, let's go. And he starts to operate through us. All we have to do, y'all, is say yes. Say, I'm willing, God. Man, there's so many times when we don't. I look back on my own life. I literally ran, literally got in a car and drove away from God's calling on my life. Said, go into ministry. Said, nope, I'm going to move to California. Got all the way to Texas before I drove back the next day. Said, okay. It's a true story, a shortened version. But so many times we disqualify ourselves. We say, no, I'm just, I'm just going to... I'm just going to be both. I'm just going to follow you, but I'm also going to follow the world. I'm just going to put my feet on both sides. The Bible says very clearly we cannot follow two masters. We cannot do it. You have to choose. And I look back on my own life with such regret over what I could have done if I had just been bold enough to stand for what I knew in my heart was right and true. But thank God he is patient with us. He didn't give up on me and he will not give up on you. If we take that step and that stand to say, okay, I surrender. This is my surrender. I'm willing. And I'm going to put both feet in. I'm going to put both feet in and go full-fledged. And as soon as we do, the Holy Spirit comes in and he takes over. Because this is what, listen to what Gabriel says. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Check this out. This is the coolest thing. What Gabriel, he's using a language here and he's referencing back to a story with Moses. Okay, and we get it lost in translation because it's in English now. But in, in those times, he's talking to Mary, who is Jewish, and he uses a word that is familiar to her, that she will be understand. And so what I want to do real quickly is go all the way back to Exodus chapter 40. And the story of Moses, and he's at Mount Sinai, and there's just been all this crazy stuff happening. The presence of God is there. Moses has this tent of meeting where he worships the Lord. And it says in verse 34, check this out. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So when Gabriel is talking to Mary and he's talking about how the Lord's presence is going to overshadow her, he's likening it to this cloud that's over this tabernacle, that's over this tent of meeting where Moses was. And remember, Moses with the Jews, he was it. He was mega. He was all time. And so what Gabriel is saying is that same cloud that covered this tent that was so powerful that even Moses could not go in is going to overshadow you and is going to fill your body to the point that it is so powerful that it creates God's Son in you. Come on. Like, how do you say no to that? The power of the Most High God came into Mary and created Jesus. And check this out. Jesus lives. He dies on the cross. He's raised again. And then he leaves and he sends the Holy Spirit for all of us to receive 
so that we can have the power of the most high God in us and know that nothing that God has ever done will fail. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me here? Are you following with me? When we surrender to God and try and stop trying to be like everybody else and say, here I am, use me, the power of the most high God comes in us and miracles happen because that's what God does. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are you going to still try and be like an elf? doesn't really sound that great anymore, does it? And here's Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. I love that. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What does she say? She says, yes, I'm willing. Use me. Use me. Let's talk about what that means for Mary because we can read that and go, okay, cool. You know, you just had a conversation with Gabriel. Of course, you're going to say yes. Well, let's consider the ramifications because what Mary was called from this is not cotton-headed ninny muggins. It was much, much worse. Mary was engaged to Joseph at the time. And back then, engagements were, were like a getting-to-know-you process where the two families came together, made a contract for the marriage. There was money exchanged. And then for about a year, the children, the, the groom and the bride, got to know each other. And the, the broom, this case, groom, in this case, Joseph, would, would kind of start building a room onto his parents' house to prepare for their marriage. And there was certain language in the contracts that were made for the marriage. And one of those happened to be, if you commit adultery during this time, the penalty can be so severe that it is up to death. So if it was the young man or the young woman, either one committed adultery and it was found out, the other family, to kind of spare their reputation, could have the other one stoned to death. So when Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, she is literally saying, here's my life. Here it is. Even if I'm stoned to death. Now back up a little bit and let's say that doesn't happen. The marriage is still off and her reputation for the rest of her life is completely destroyed. And now maybe they have, uh, they commit adultery and they don't get pregnant. And they hide it. Well, that doesn't happen with Mary. She is getting pregnant. It is going to show, right? And so there's no hiding the fact that she is pregnant. And now it would have been pretty interesting when people started calling her cotton-headed ninny muggins, if she said, no, 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 check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out. Gabriel came to me, all right? And uh, the power of the Most High came over me, overshadowed me, you know, like Moses back in the day. And the Holy Spirit actually uh, made me pregnant. And it's actually, it's God's son. So I'm absolved, all right? Cool, we cool? No way. No one was gonna believe that. That was crazy. So not only was she gonna be an adulterer, but she was also gonna be insane. There was going to be nothing that was going to be able to explain to people the actual, listen to this, truth. They were going to come up with their own conclusions and it was going to ruin her reputation. It was going to ruin her family's reputation. And there was a very good chance that she would live the rest of her life unwed 
Because who would want to marry her? This crazy girl who said the Holy Spirit got her pregnant, cheated on Joseph, and I don't want any part of that. And then what was she going to do for a living? She wouldn't have any kids. She's going to die, you know, die poor, alone. I mean, the, the ripple effect of her saying yes goes on and on and on and on. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. Charles Wendell uh, says that the word, when she's, this word, I'm the Lord's servant, is likened to what's called a bond slave. If you're not familiar with that term, is that means voluntarily committing yourself over to slavery. And that's what she's doing here. In this moment, the road was hard and difficult, but check this out. She was able to be, because she said yes, to be the earthly mother of Jesus Christ. And here we are, all these years later, still talking about her, trying to model ourselves after her, rather than her saying, but what are the other elves going to think? She says, I'm going to be a human, and I'm going to live what you've called me to do. Will we do the same? Will we, church, do the same? That's what God's after. It's no more camouflaging our faith. It's no more having our, our, our one foot in the world and the other with Jesus. We got to be all in and say, I am willing. I am here. Here I am. Choose me. And then letting the Holy Spirit move in radical, radical ways. Are you ready, church? We have the band come on up and we're going to close this morning with that song again that we sang earlier, This Is My Surrender. And as we sing it, I want to really consider what these, this song is saying. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I, we were at, uh, our school went to a teacher's conference down in Daytona, and the worship team there did this song. And as soon as they started singing it, you know, I tried to, I was trying to worship, but I was also in the back of my head going, ooh, I like this song. You know, <laughs> this, this seems like this is one for us. And as soon as worship was over, I, I Googled it real quick, the lyrics, and found out who it was by, and sent it to Valerie, and we're both like, this is us right now. This is Beaches Chapel right now. We are going to get out of the way. We're going to make room for the Lord to move in this place and in our hearts and see how he changes us and the people around us. Because that's what it's all about. Getting those people off that moving walkway and saving them. And I know it's going to happen. I know God's going to move. I know it. But we can't camouflage who we are. We have to be different in the world that so desperately needs us to be different. 1 Peter 2 verse 11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as, listen to this, temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. What's, what are we talking about here? What, in, in today's translation, I warn you, not as elves. It's temporary. Live according to your faith. Don't camouflage what you believe. When was the last time that you went to someone who wasn't a believer and said, hey, can I pray for you? Or said, hey, can you want to come to church or, or join us online? Can I, 
Can I share with Jesus with you? That's what they need. And I, I, as, as we're in this Christmas season, I want to put that before you. I want to challenge you to not try to be like all the other elves, but understand that the elves need something else and invite them to church. Who's that person or those people? Maybe you have been. You're like, Jane, I'm trying. Keep doing it. Keep at it. Who's that person you can say, hey, can I pray for you? I guarantee a lot of times, you know, that sounds so scary. But if you say, do you, do you believe in prayer? Hey, can, I believe in prayer. Do you mind if I pray for you? Rarely will someone say no, especially if they're going through something. So I want to challenge you. Challenge all of us. Challenge myself. Who are those people that we can reach out to? Last verse. Let's stand up as I read this. Isaiah 6, 8. We've been talking about it all morning. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall, should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. Send me. Send us. Send Beaches Chapel. Use us, Lord, for those that need it. Maybe you're watching this morning, you're in here, and you haven't made that decision yet to completely surrender your, your life to Jesus. You've heard about it, and you're kind of dancing around it. Well, today is the, is, the, is the day to fully embrace the love of Jesus Christ that far outweighs anything that the world could ever offer you. He loves you and he died for you so that you could live out this life with hope and with reassurance that the God of all creation is covering you in everything. Isn't that what we're after? Isn't that what you want? So make that decision this morning. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's all it takes. Say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. Here I am. Here I am. I'm going to stop trying to live in this world and I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to make room for you and I surrender fully. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this group of people that you have assembled for just such a time as this, Lord. And we collectively are saying, here we are. Send us, Father. Use us, God. And Lord, I pray for, for all of us in here that have those moments where it's hard to step out because we're afraid of rejection or ridicule or whatever the, whatever the backlash might be. God, I pray, Lord, for, for courage in Jesus' name. In this season of celebrating your birth, that we would take that step to get people off the moving walkway and to save their lives. Put those people before us, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would give us supernatural encounters with people to share your love, to simply say, will you come to church with me? Can I pray for you? God, give us those moments. I pray, Jesus, that every single one of us in here this week will have an encounter like that, Father. And I pray, Jesus, in that moment that we will say, here I am, use me. I am your servant. And we'll take that step in Jesus' name. Give us boldness, Father to a world that so desperately needs us. God, we're not, 
We're not judging the world, Lord. We see the world. They need you just like we did before we knew you. So help us, Lord. We love you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that if other people say things about us, and even times when we say things about ourselves, that we know that you love us and you see us as mighty warriors. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship.